0: This episode of Sydney Untold discusses themes of suicide, which might be distressing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. A Hobo Hut Media production. Every city has its secrets, and Sydney is no exception. Welcome to Sydney Untold, a podcast about uncovering Sydney's hidden locations and history. From abandoned tunnels to secret gardens to even the most haunted road in the world. Let's step back in time as we uncover some of Sydney's secret past. Have you ever been past 185 Parramatta Road in Haberfield? and seen those big green gates enclosing what looks like a jungle and wondered, what's going on there? Well, you might be surprised to know that beyond the sea of trees, native plants, and the occasional animal is home to quite an eclectic history that starts all the way back in 1803, a full 98 years before Australia's Federation. Since that time, this estranged house has been home to many people It has been the site of a Sunday school, detention centre, juvie jail, army quarters, and has even been owned by one of the Grace Brothers. Welcome to Yasmar Estate. The origins of the Yasmar Estate date all the way back to 1803. However, before that, the land was looked after by the Aboriginal people of the Durag tribe, variously known as the Gadigal people from the Aurora Nation. The location, Haberfield, is now located. In 1803, following his resignation from service, Ensign Nicholas Bailey received a 480-acre land grant from the King, covering what is now Haberfield. He called the estate Sunning Hills Farm. Historians suspect this is how Summer Hill, an adjacent suburb, got its name. However, through dubious means, Sunning Hill was acquired by the colony's then largest landowner, Simone Lord. He was a wholesale merchant who saw commercial success ultimately as a manufacturer. Lord renamed the estate Dobroyd Estate after his cousin's home, Dobroyd Castle in Lancashire, England. Lord was a great businessman, however, despite his extensive and powerful connections, his standing within polite society was coloured due to his convict past. He'd been transported for stealing textiles in Manchester in 1791. With his wife Mary, Simone Lord had a daughter, Sarah Anne, who in 1825 was set to marry Scottish merchant and surgeon Dr. David Ramsay. It was common practice in the 19th century that all property owned by women would be transferred to her husband following their marriage. And knowing this, Lord placed a caveat on Sarah Ann's dowry, stating that, According to the deed of marriage, the ownership of Dobroyd estate can only be transferred to the good Sir Dr. David Ramsay. Following the death of both parents of Sarah Ann Lord, Simeon Lord and Mary Lord, skipping ahead to 1850, Mary Louisa, the firstborn of ten children to Sarah Ann Ramsey and Dr. David Ramsey, was betrothed to Alexander Learmonth. As part of her marriage. The happy couple were given a small land parcel west of Dobroyd Homestead as part of Mary Louisa's inheritance. Mary Louisa and Alexander commissioned the colonial architect of the time, John Bibb, to design their new home, Yasma, which is Ramsey spelled backwards. John Bibb was a leading architect from Liverpool, England. He was the assistant to John Verge, most well known for the Camden Park estate, Elizabeth Bay House, Toxteth Park, to name a few. However, very little of John Bibb's buildings are left standing today, as many have been demolished over the years. He designed the Congressional Church in Pitt Street, now Pitt Street Uniting Church, the Sydney School of Arts building, and of course, Yasma Estate. In 1856, construction of Yasma begins, with construction finishing in 1858. The house is a single-storey building, constructed mostly from sandstone, with cast-iron posts supporting the roof, which covers the veranda, which wraps around the front three sides of the building. Yasma follows a Gregorian style of design. It sees the house located on the top of a ridge away from the street, with a large, lush garden in front, obscuring it from view. Inside the gardens at Yasma is a sunken pit with brick detailing on the bottom, an ornate tile surrounding it, and an end piece and benches on either side. Some would suggest this was a very early swimming pool, while others think it might have been a sunken conservatory or a plant propagation. Following the driveway down to street level, a sandstone fence separated the property from the street, and a green iron gate was constructed as a method of entry. And a stable was also built for their horses. This style of architecture was very prominent in England, and many English-speaking countries of the time, and was seen as a mark of wealth for their owners. The Ramsey family were pillars of Presbyterianism. Dr Ramsey had been on the Presbyterian Education Board and had started the first Sunday School at his home at Dobroyd Homestead. However, due to its popularity, the Dobroyd Sunday School was transferred to Yasma House in 1860, under supervision of the Learmonth family. Alexander Learmonth went on to become the first superintendent of the Sunday School, and Mary Louisa used Yasmar's barn and horse stables to teach classes there. However, in 1862, again due to its popularity, the school was transferred to Dalhousie Street, which was in direct view from Yasmar. This laid the foundation for Yasmar to become Haverfield Public School, built on the northwest of the estate on the former Yasmar horse paddock. Let's go back to the gardens for a minute. Plants and the garden in general were quite important to the Ramseys. They built a massive garden in front of their house, after all. Dr. Ramsay had decided to stay in the area and work on his passions in the garden. And in 1830, Dr. Ramsey, who had a love for rare plants and had won a silver medal for pineapple at the Flora and Horticultural Society show, established the Dobroyd Garden Nursery alongside the Iron Cove Creek, now the Hawthorne Canal which was renamed to New Dobroyd Plant and Seed Nursery in 1867. The garden is home to many plants, including those indigenous to Queensland. These were thanks to Edward Pearson Ramsay, Mary Louise's brother. In 1875, when the Linnean Society of New South Wales, a society dedicated to the study of natural history including fungus, animals and plants in their natural habitats, had their first meeting. Sir so William Markley and Edward Ramsay were founding members. Later, Edward Ramsay would go on to become a fellow of the London Linnean Society. Beyond his many careers, Edward was a notable horticulturalist, having a considerable input into Victorians' garden design and species registration. Unfortunately, in 1877, Alexander died leaving Mary Louisa and her unmarried daughter Mary alone in Yasma for some time. Shortly after, they moved to Concord until Mary Louisa's death in 1904. The turn of a new century saw a new owner for Yasma. With the death of Mary Louisa Learmonth in 1904, Yasma was sold to fellow parishioner and devote Presbyterian, Albert Edward Grace. Albert Grace, along with his brother Joseph Neil Grace, started Australia's most iconic department store chain, Grace Brothers which now, since 1983, is owned by Meyer. The Grace brothers made a series of renovations to Yasmar. The house was upgraded from the Gregorian design to an Edwardian-inspired design. This saw the installation of stained glass and a grand cheddar double entry door. Grace also added many Edwardian-era elements to Yasmar's interior, including finely crafted Federation-era mantles and pressed metal, in the rear room and in the Dank's biennial study, which if you believe the rumours appeared in the 1920's Grace Brothers catalogue. In 1911, Joseph married a woman called Sarah Selina Smith, also known as Gypsy, who was the deputy headmistress of the Presbyterian Ladies' College in Shumbra Hall. Notably, the land where PLC stands today was previously owned by Anthony Horden of the Horden Bros Emporium. Following the marriage, the house was transferred to Gypsy. Gypsy and Joseph were both enthusiast gardeners and were known to spend much of their free time enjoying Yasmar's grand, maturing gardens. Joseph wrote that he was happy to fill in my days in my garden. On July 5, 1933, Joseph Grace suddenly died and was cremated with Anglican rites, and his remains can be found at Rookwood Cemetery. Gypsy, however, remained in the house until it was commandeered for officers' quarters in 1940 to be used as part of the war efforts. Following World War II, Yasma remained relatively abandoned until 1946, when the New South Wales government converted the house into a centre for juvenile justice. Timber structures were built on the former tennis and croquet lawns to house delinquent children. The grand reception rooms of the house became a children's court, and the other rooms served as magistrates' rooms. Notably, in 1950, it was reported that two young boys aged 12 and 13 escaped from the centre. They'd been arrested after they'd run away from their homes, and gone on a destructive rampage through two public schools. They were in Yasma on charges of being uncontrollable and stealing. Then, in 1981, the estate was turned into a juvenile detention centre, which ran until 2006, the later 12 years being a female-only facility. Prison blocks were built on either side of the driveway within the garden. They were called Dobroyd, remembering the home's original name, and Waratah, inspiring local indigenous plants. The government deliberately avoided unsympathetic additions to the entrance of the house or to the gardens and worked with the New South Wales Heritage Office to retain the original design of the building. Unfortunately, however, in 1990, a youth committed suicide while at the detention centre. The coroner at the time wrote that staff at the facility were untrained, particularly in resuscitation, and that grills and hanging points should be removed from all juvenile detention centres. The Department of Youth and Community Services, which ran the centre at the time, implemented a system of regular night checks in the centres because of the death. Today, the site is no longer a detention centre instead YASMAR Training Facility, run by the Department of Communities and Justice to train their staff. It is also open to the public to hire out for community functions or for TV shows that require sets. Over the years, YASMAR has been home to quite a variety of people. It will be interesting to see what comes next for this historic building. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sydney Untold. I hope you've enjoyed learning about the history of the Yasmar estate. A reminder, if you are affected by the contents of this episode and need support, we'd suggest contacting Lifeline on 13 11 14 or lifeline.org.au. This episode of Sydney Untold was hosted, written, produced and edited by Harry Hughes. And thank you to our associate producer, Adam Hughes. And also additional voiceover work by Tristan Black. HoboHut Media Group would like to recognise the Durag people, particularly the Gadigal people, past and present, the location of which this episode was located. Links for more information about the Yasmo estate are available in the show notes below.